0: Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus podcast. It's great to have you today. I am sitting in Jill Vanderwall's office with Samantha Bronson, and we have a special podcast that we want to bring to you talking about the purity culture of the evangelical church and the post-80s and 90s sexual revolution and how the evangelical movement responded to it. It was kind of, it's kind of fascinating. I was a youth minister in the late 70s and 80s trying to do youth ministry in the middle of the sexual revolution. Jill was a youth minister while she was in the middle of the purity culture, and then Samantha was a part of a youth group in the purity culture. So we wanna talk about the different aspects of the purity culture and the impact that it had on teenagers, and their sexuality, and then kind of how we at Columbine United Church are responding to the sexual purity culture, and how we teach sexuality to our kids. So what is the purity culture? There's a great article that Samantha found for us, and I'm just going to read from from the article. It is written by Joe Carter on July 24, 2019. This is what he says about the purity culture. Purity culture is the term often used for the evangelical movement that attempts to promote a biblical view of purity by discouraging dating and promoting virginity before marriage, often through the use of tools such as purity pledges, symbols such as purity rings, and events such as purity balls. Purity pledges are vows taken by teenagers and young adults to abstain from sex before marriage. A prime example is the original pledge from True Love Waits, which reads, here's the pledge, believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, those I date, and my future mate to be sexually pure until the day I enter marriage. Purity rings are sometimes worn as outward symbols by those who have made a purity pledge. The rings were popularized by the Christian ministry, the Silver Ring Thing, which promoted abstinence primarily through music events. A decade ago, the rings were worn by several young actors and pop stars, including Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, and the Jonas Brothers purity balls or father-daughter purity balls are formal dance events attended by fathers and their daughters that promote virginity until marriage for teenage girls. I wonder where the boys were in the middle of all this. Mm -hmm. At the balls, the fathers would often sign a pledge that they would be the example of purity and model integrity for their daughters. The dances were originally conceived in 1998 by a California couple, Randy and Lisa Wilson, as a way of celebrating God's design and life's little growth spurts. So how did the Purity Culture Movement get started? The culture began in the 1990s as Christians who were children or teens during the beginning of the 1960s era sexual revolution began to have children and teenagers of their own. By the early Years of 1990s, this is when uh, Steve me, I was doing, um, Youth Minister AIDS had become the number one cause of death for United States men ages 25 to 44, and the teen pregnancy rate had reached an all-time high. The number of premarital sex partners had also increased substantially since the 1970s, for example, in the 1970s, only 2% of American women had more than 10 sexual partners before marriage. In the 1990s, that percentage had risen to 10%. In 2010, it was 18%. So the, uh, the evangelical church responded to this rise of sexuality in teenagers and the AIDS epidemic. And it affected how we did ministry to, with, and for our kids. So I want to dive into this. I'm going to throw it to Jill. I want Jill, I want you to talk about uh, kind of your own view of the purity mo- movement and then how you did youth ministry in the middle of the purity moment. And Sam, if you feel like you want to dive in middle of this, I just kind of want us to have a dialogue going back and forth. So let's kind of go for it. Jill, what do you remember about during do, doing youth ministry in the middle of the purity movement?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's so funny as we've been talking about our different experiences, it's like visiting a different planet, right? That we both kind of lived on a different planet through these experiences. And they all seem kind of crazy as you look back at them. So for me, I partly there, there was a context and a culture. So I grew up in Boulder, right? Which is very laid back. Um, I Started as a youth pastor right after I had been in college at University of Washington Which there was sex everywhere I was the ethics and morality person who had to talk to girls if they had sex with more than two boys in the same fraternity Right in like the same month So that's what I came out of like a very sexually liberal place, but I moved to Colorado Springs So let's talk about that culture And I was a youth pastor At a huge church there, Colorado Springs culture is shown so much shaped by focus on the family. And this really this agenda and perspective was embedded with focus on the family. Um, James Dobson created tons of materials on um, sexual appropriateness, what to talk about your to your kids with. And that was Josh Harris was kind of a focus on the family person. I kissed dating goodbye. Oh, that
0: was that book. And that then was published. he,
1: twenty years later, like just recently, came out huh. and said he got a divorce. He felt like that whole idea led to sexual repression and some just not healthy things. Huh. And said I kissed. Dating, goodbye, goodbye, something like that. But it just it didn't work, right? It didn't play out well over time. Also, John Eldridge was doing a lot of writing on, um, what was it? Sacred heart, sacred male. Yeah, was a right. hyper male female, right? And so part of this sexuality stuff then had its root in very polarizing gender roles, right? This is what a man has to be, the man of God. This is what a woman has to be you kind of laughed about, hiccuped on that women purity pledge, right? That really women need to be virgins Mm -hmm. more so even than maybe guys. Um,
0: And the other thing is that, uh, that I thought was interesting is that women have to be responsible for moderating the sexual drives and impulses uh, of men. That this is all about a woman's Uh, thing, taking care of men instead of a, it was not mutual between men and women or young teenagers, men and women.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think this is a whole nother discussion. But then we see this played out in college campuses when we don't have a healthy paradigm for sexual expression. You go to college with no limits and with alcohol, and like really hurtful things happen. Right when we don't have, uh, I don't know. So, so I, here I was, a youth pastor with about two hundred and fifty kids in our youth group. Every year, we were supposed to do a um, sex, like sexuality section. We also took all sixth graders on a sex like retreat, talking about sexuality, healthy sexuality. And the parents really expected the church to do that. They weren't going to do that. We're not going to talk about this stuff. I love, here's my funny joke. Um, one, in one of the boy groups, um, the youth group, the junior high leader, one of the kids said, what is oral sex? And another boy said, Oh, I can answer that. And the leader goes, Oh yeah, go ahead and answer. And he said, It's when you're on the phone and you talk dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and the leader was like, Well, not exactly. <laughs> so so we had this whole thing about it but it was more like programmatic, right? There was the what did what did we say it was? Wait, what was the purity rally thing called? I just remember True it, Love Waits. True love weights. Thank you. Um, and we pass all these kids oh onto God. a bus and went up to like the World Arena or the whatever. And, you know, it it's um it's like a rock concert, and there's speakers, and they're telling you very impassioned things about why you wait, why your sexuality is a treasure that is for one person only, and Oh, I mean, it's. I think the arguments were trying to be positive, right? In yeah. general, I mean,
0: they're trying for a positive message. I think that's an important thing to, to know.
1: So then, but the way it works out was it was hard, you know. And I want, I mean, I think so. For me, what I learned over time is I think the best people to be talking about sex is within a family and a culture and values. I've always told kids, like, hey, if you're ready to have sex, that's great. But then you for sure should be able to talk to your parents. Like, sex is an adult thing. So if you feel like you can't talk to your parents about having sex for birth control or whatever, you're probably not mature enough to have sex if you can't talk about it. Um, but that's a were, good point. There was, like, a lot of weird things that came out of that, right? A lot of pressure, a lot of hiding So then sexuality and our identities, and then we're not even talking about LGBTQIA, right? Just really, what do you call them, binary sexual identities. Um, Even in that, it becomes like a one track, one thing, and then there's lots of hiding. Because anybody that's not in this little box is, is judged as off or unpure, and then there's all the shame that goes with that.
0: Did you do the purity rings and the purity covenants and all no. that type of thing? No, I
1: think there was like a sheet. Okay, so this is so long ago. I mean, this is 20 years for me. This was 2001, 2, 3. Well, 20 years. I, and it almost, I look back at it as like a weird dream. I'm like, that was weird. You know, like how you just remembered a dream last week. Like, I can kind of remember being in this thing. With lights and bubbles and singing and maybe some sort of a purity pledge. I don't remember anything else. It's just really foggy to me. I can
2: fill in those <laughs> gaps for you. Okay, Samantha, go for
0: it. So lean into the microphone. She's going to pull the microphone over her face. All right, now go for it. Sam, talk to us about what it meant to be a teenager living in a youth group where there was the purity pledge going on.
2: Yeah, so I was in youth group from 2007 to 2013, and so like height of purity culture, right? Or like maybe the tail end. Yeah. I grew up in the South, in Texas, and so there it's still thriving. It's alive and well. They're still doing it? I don't know that they're doing True Love Waits concert things anymore. That's the most
0: bizarre thing. (laughs) A True Love Waits concert?
2: Okay, I'll tell you about it. So I a rally. It it was a rally. So I Let's be virgins. (laughs) 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 Mom, Dad, don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um so I was in either eighth or ninth grade. I don't totally remember. And we were told, like, hey, invite all your friends. We're going to go up to Lubbock, which was two hours north of us. And we're going to be a part of this rally. And it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so cool. Bring $20. And so we uh, all get in the church van. And we drive up to Lubbock. And we're in this big arena. And it is a concert. It is, like, light, sound, action everything you can imagine to have this like fun big rally the thing i remember the most about them talking about it was all of the stds um so i the stds yes Mm -hmm. yes like who wants crabs really right right (laughs) the problem was i had never really heard of those crabs STD, anything. anything. In health
1: class or anything?
0: No. Nothing. I no. had never
2: heard of any of that because, I mean, we did abstinence-only sex ed- education. In, in public school? In public school. Wow. So I had never, my eyes were like, what? What is happening? What is this? I don't even know what they're talking about. I remember them mentioning oral sex and being like, I don't understand how that works. This doesn't make any sense to me. Totally freaked out. I was like 14 maybe, and I had never heard of the majority of this stuff. And so the first time I'm hearing about it is in this huge space where other people seem to know a lot about. And it was very confusing and terrifying. Oh, my gosh. So then they said, okay, now everybody, purity is the most important thing. Um, you're going to like pay $20 to get a ring. And you're going to sign a purity pledge. And I signed that exact pledge that you read off oh from gosh. that article. And I had my purity ring and I wore it just about every single day until it became not cool anymore. When the did Jonas it, Brothers stopped wearing it. I stopped wearing it. Well, so when, <laughs>
0: when does it not become cool anymore?
2: In high school. Yeah.
0: In high school? Then, you, like,
2: then you're like really lame for doing it.
0: Oh, so, so in high school were people becoming sexually active?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: In the evangelical churches, kids in evangelical churches. Yes, yes. So
2: I remember, remember like. And I'm not going to out you. <laughs> don't worry. Um, it. I remember hearing other kids in my youth group talking about how they had sex with so and so, or they did it. Like sex was a bad word. We never said it. We, they did it, or they went all the way. Um, and it was a super shameful thing. So as shameful. I'm. For them. And we judged them. They were ashamed? They were ashamed. And we judged. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe that person did that. That's so horrible. But the onus was always on the woman, the female, in whatever relationship it was. So at the same time, you know, like the fun thing to do was to go to different youth groups with your friends. Maybe I was just super lame. I don't know. (laughs) But um, that was the fun thing to do. And I had this special knack of... Anytime I went and visited another youth group or, like, church program, they were talking about sex. So I have heard all of the metaphors from a present being opened and torn and ruined to, you know, if you have sex, then it's like pouring tea into a styrofoam cup instead of, like, a fancy tea glass. glass... I don't think
0: like it's
1: ruined. It's, it's trashy. Ruined. It's All these oh like my
0: chewed gosh. up gum, chewed, yeah. like uh, chewed up gum. So you had sex? It was like chewed up gum. Yeah,
1: just super trashing oh
0: personhood
2: around sex. Yes, and so we were taught not to trust ourselves. Huh. And it was started with this sexual purity thing you can't trust yourself you're sinful you're broken you cannot trust anything you feel within yourself and so that's why you have all these people who are leaving the church and then learning oh I can listen to myself I can trust what my body is telling me I can trust the feelings that I'm having but it was truly like I mean, it, it was crazy, and like we all signed the pledge, and you know, you had to
1: sign the pledge. And you at were in
2: junior high.
1: I was either a eighth grader or a ninth grader. Oh I don't gosh. remember. Yeah, what's your other option? I am not signing the pledge. I plan on having sex, folks. <laughs> right,
2: right. Like you had to, and then they were like, "It's binding with God."
0: It's binding with God. They were making junior high kids and freshmen in high school sign this pledge and it was binding with God. And the ring was symbolic of what? That you were like married to Jesus? Yeah, totally.
2: That you were married to Jesus and that you were a virgin.
0: And that you were a virgin. So the ring, everybody saw the ring and was like, oh, she's a virgin.
1: She's religious. Yeah. You know, as you're saying this, this image of like original goodness versus original sin. And this is okay. This is like our side note on theology, but... What I love about Celtic theology is they believe in original goodness. A baby is born good and divine and not a baby is born bad. And yet so much of our theology is original sin, which that really, sexuality is right in that. That we are born and our sexuality is broken versus good and amazing. Like what if we lived... This other direction to have sexuality be amazing and our bodies be amazing, and like one of the, the greatest gifts. I don't It's just it just is like the essence of original sin embodied in sexuality, right? Everything is bad.
0: You know, the thing that always hits me about the evangelical church, and even uh in mainline churches, like it's still the same, even among clergy, that I like I'm thinking of PCUSA clergy, like sex. And sexuality is such a negative thing that's the hot sin and that you can't talk about it you can't do it you can't I mean it's just like something you just don't talk about and like when I was doing youth ministry uh, I grew up in the 70s so at the kind of the height of the sexual revolution grew up in the 70s in I, my high school everybody was having sex Junior high kids were having sex. It was just kind of a part of the culture of Southern California in the 70s. And I started doing youth ministry uh, when I was um, 18 in Spokane, Washington, and then uh, did youth ministry in San Francisco when I was going to seminary, and then did youth ministry here at Columbine when I first came out of here in in the mid-early 80s. And it was a foregone conclusion. Everybody was having sex. All the kids in my youth group were having sex. And it was like, it was kind of a wild thing. It's like, how do you corral this? And, and then with the uh, AIDS epidemic, you know, I used to tell the kids when I was going to school that we were frightened about have, getting pregnant, that a girl would get pregnant or our girlfriends would get pregnant. I said, it's changed. Today, in my era of doing this, the fear was you're going to get AIDS and die. Uh, there was no cure for AIDS there was nothing if you got AIDS it was a death sentence and kids were getting AIDS in high school and college so we were trying to find a way to stem the tide and we and I think the purity culture grew out of that which I personally I thought was so repressive I couldn't see straight instead we were trying to take the approach of um, of uh, of how do you teach sexuality is a good healthy part i also have a funny story about oral sex that we were teaching uh we were teaching sex at columbine and uh, we were using the uh the clinical terms that the schools were using fellatio cunnilingus and the and the kids were like they glazed over and and finally it was like i realized they had no ideas what these terms were. No. And so the school was talking about these things, and the kids were like, what? But they were too embarrassed to ask what it was. And so we started using the street language oh, yeah. of the kids. I won't say it here on this podcast, but you know what the street languages, And the kids were like... Oh, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about oral sex. Oh, and the school's had to start using street language to communicate to the kids about basic biology and sexuality. So, you know, because the
1: others sound like SAT words. Yes, right. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> so, so then here we are, here we are in the uh, 2022. We have on the one hand evangelical churches that are still teaching the purity movement, right, Samantha? They're still Oh,
2: it's alive and well and kicking and I mean just pull up evangelical TikTok and you hear all of these horrible things that people are
1: saying about sex, sexuality, and gender roles. Statistically. I just am always a magnet of statistics. Our teenagers are having the least amount of sex they ever have. I don't know what that means—frequency, partners, whatever. But I, as a society, and actually, it says adults are too. We're just not like we're becoming less sexually active. I don't How know boring. why. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Samantha, well, I Samantha think... just cringed when I said <laughs> How that. Samantha's hoping her parents <laughs> well, don't listen to this okay. podcast. <laughs> well, and
2: I think part of it. Is when you talk about it, it becomes less taboo. Oh, absolutely. And so when you take away that ness of sex with teenagers, it's not such a crazy thing. And it's something that we want to encourage parents to talk about at home and, you know... So many parents, I think, in my era were just not equipped to talk about it with their kids at home. They didn't know where to start or what to do or anything.
1: Yeah. Well, it's finances. It's the things we hide, right? We don't want to talk about finances. We don't want to talk about sex. I don't know what those other taboo things are, but those things always tend to gain power. Mm-hmm. The more we ignore them, the more power we give them. It's not right. I mean,
0: so another thing they didn't want to talk about—it kind of goes along with sex, but it's very different—is gender roles. Yeah. I mean, if a if a kid came out of the closet in a way, shape, or form, oh my God, they couldn't talk about it, and they were yeah. immediately rejected, repressed. Uh, their sexuality, their identity of who they were as people was—I mean, mm-hmm. just they were—they were sent to camps to have their uh, sexuality oh, the conversion, yeah, conversion therapy oh god that that was just horrific okay so what do we do with our kids today how do we how do we teach adults about healthy sexuality you know i don't think i've ever done a sexuality class for adults maybe that's something we need to think about doing i think that'd be an interesting thing sex at columbine how about Would that a crowd pleaser <laughs> good, call it good sex <laughs> <laughs>
1: It would come out the, out of the wall, out of the out of the woodwork for
0: it. So Samantha, you're a youth minister at Columbine United Church. What do we do? How do we teach sexuality to kids without making them sign? Purity pledges, rings, taking them to purity balls. I Father, I won't do that. Father, daughter <laughs> dances.
2: Oh, we didn't my dad and I no. No way. Were they
0: were were they doing those kind of things though? Father, daughter dances? Probably.
2: Where? My dad doesn't really dance. Oh, so no, we got out of that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to empower my youth group kids is that their bodies are good and wonderful and can do amazing things. We've been focusing on health for this semester. And what it is, what does it mean to have health? And what does it mean to do things that help your body, that help your mind, that help your soul? And so... I don't know exactly what that conversation looks like, but I do know that it's not going to be shying away from talking about the hard things or talking about things that might make me feel uncomfortable because of the way I grew up. Um, Yeah, I think it's just about being open and honest and saying like, if you feel adult enough to have sex, you are adult enough to talk about it with a trusted adult. Mm-hmm. particularly a parent
0: like that's one of the things that you that you believe in jill that it, that it, they need to talk, talk a little bit about that as far as if you're going to have sex you need to be able to talk with a family member or yeah. a parent
1: so for me as a parent i mean i always have kind of i'm a youth. that's worker. right because you have
0: a junior higher in your I'm
1: house a, a middle schooler and 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 a fifth grader and so the funniest thing was during the pandemic they this is so funny they t- they leave sex ed for your last month of fifth grade and then they like send you out. Right. (laughs) And so that was when they went online for the pandemic. So they send all the sex ed stuff home to the parents and are like, this isn't going to fit in this year. So please do what you want with it. Hilarious. That cracks me up. But so I've learned right as we go along, like, what does it mean for me? It means having really casual conversations about our bodies at every age. Um, I remember my son, when he was like six, was like, "How how does that thing get to an egg, the sperm? And I found a YouTube video that's like to music and this little sperm swimming up, like it looks like a galaxy. And he's like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so like at six, watch a YouTube video about sperm swimming, great, why not? I think it starts, like if we think we're going to have a conversation about sex at 13 for the first time, that's going to be real weird. So it means raising children where we talk about finances, we talk about sexuality, we talk about their friends who are making gender decisions, or their their own wrestling with gender. We talk about that really openly. And sometimes to me, I'm like, oh, this feels awkward. But I just, (laughs) I'm like... Overcome your own awkwardness. Set a tone of openness. Because also what we know is where are kids learning about sexuality? Where are they learning about sex? Porn. Porn. Huh. They're all learning about porn. Um, is that a great teacher? Seth Rogen. He just did a movie or a book. What did he do? He said, when I watched porn growing up, it looked really uncomfortable and scary. I was so afraid of sex because I couldn't do what the porn stars did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. But it's so true that if we have a whole culture of people that are learning, then it's that's another closeted, dark, hiding thing that has some really weird things. So how do we say, hey, we know you can see images, videos online. That is not going to be your best answer. So ask some adults. That's, that's what good. we've tried that's to good.
0: do. You know, Samantha, the other thing is that I want you to just kind of touch on is that we have uh a place, Columbine's a place where people of all different genders can participate, and we have LGBTQI kids that are part of the youth group. How do you approach sexuality with uh, with those kids?
2: Yeah, I think a huge part of it is acknowledging their gender, their identity, and who they are. We have pronoun pins, and the kids can pick however many they want that week. Um, what are pronouns, just for those who are like just coming to She, from she, game? they. Them. So they can pick each one is a he or she or they they pick however many pronouns fit their identity and it's been interesting to see some of them change. A lot of them don't, um, but allowing them to explore that in a way that's just is what it is. Um, and as far as the sex education goes, I'm heterosexual and so I don't know all of the details about gay sex or lesbian sex. And so I think part of it is admitting when I don't know and referring to other sources Mm -hmm. that do know Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. being open about it and not afraid to talk about it either.
0: Right. I think that'd be my message to all the adults who are living this, uh, listening to this uh, podcast is reflect upon your own sexuality and your own sexual history, and what you were taught, and when you were taught it, and who taught it to you. And then just think about how, how that's being expressed in your own life right now. Because um, you know, I, I really believe that, I don't care how old you are, you're always a sexual person, even though you you're, might be very old, and your sexuality hasn't been you know expressed all that much, you're still a sexual person. It's a part of our identity as human beings. And as Jill said, you know, it's the original blessing. It's part of God's gift to us that we need to celebrate. All right, we're at our time. Any closing statement? Jill, you have anything you want to say to close? She's shaking her head no. Remember, we're on a podcast. They can't okay, see you yeah, shaking yeah. No. Oh,
1: I mean, there are so many things. We could go for hours. But hey, thanks for spending time with us today. This is so fun. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for visiting my random planet of 20 years ago with me for a minute.
0: Sam, any Josh closing us?
2: thoughts? You know, I think we're, as a society, in a much better place than when I was growing up. That we're open about it, that we can talk about it. My face still might go red, but I'm willing to go there. <laughs> and um, I covered my face a few times because I was embarrassed about what we were talking about. But I think that's part of the growing and the learning. As yeah. you ask the questions, you talk about it, you're open, and you celebrate it in whatever form your sexuality looks like.
0: Very good. Hey, I just want to remind you that at Columbine United Church, we are back in our building. We are worshiping together. We are reestablishing our community. And we want you to participate. Come to church. We are very safe. We are practicing safe sex. Wait a minute. We are practicing safe. Oh, what was I trying to say? Oh, safe masks. Safe Social, social distancing. distancing. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) So wear your mask, come to church, participate in the community. If you can't come to church, watch us online. Uh, You can go at 8.30 and 10.30. You can watch us online on our uh, Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. You can also, in the middle of the week, pick up the service on our website So a lot of different ways, but reconnect with Columbine United Church. And this is the Cowboy Jesus podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Share this podcast with other people who you think would benefit from it. Take care. We'll see you. Bye.